Hey there, future friends. This week we have sinister smiles, gay rom-coms, and familiar witches. This is the week of September 30th, 2022, and you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome to the show, everyone. It is a new week, and thus here I am to tell you about all of the movies coming out during the week. Because that is what I do on this show. I try to find out about every film hitting theaters or streaming or video on demand. And then I tell you about them and give my opinion based solely on the trailer. And let me tell you, we have a good week this week. I am a fan of this week as far as movies goes. And it's not just because we have the obvious Hocus Pocus 2 coming out. There are other good-looking films releasing, and I am here for it. I would much rather have this problem of too many good-looking movies coming out that I can't possibly watch them all. Because out of everything in this world, that is not a bad problem to have. So my future friends, let us jump into our first segment, which is the limited releases. In this section, I tell you what the movie is what it's about, and who's in it. I may give a thought or two, but that's the most I'll do, and then I'll just move on to the next film, because I'll be honest, these films did not impress me, or there was just something holding me back from fully recommending it. Doesn't necessarily mean these films are bad, it just means that, in my opinion, your time is precious, my time is precious, money is something we have to watch out for, so I wouldn't risk one of these films. Let's start with one called Never Forgotten. Three friends struggle to cope with reality as the darkness from their past threatens to destroy their friendship along with their sanity. This stars no one of note. And you know what? We have a lot of movies like this where we have three friends, four friends, a group of friends, I don't know how many friends, and something from their past comes back to haunt them. I think there's just too much of that, and this movie didn't do anything to stand out. Next up, we have a movie called Masking Threshold. Conducting a series of experiments in his makeshift home lab, a skeptic IT worker tries to cure his harrowing hearing impairment. But where will his research lead him? Masking Threshold combines a chamber play, a scientific procedural, an unpacking video, and a DIY YouTube channel while suggesting endless vistas of existential pain and decay. Glimpse the world of this nameless protagonist in this eldritch tale, which is by no means the fa- for the faint of heart. Could they try and sell us this movie anymore with that premise? I mean, yeah, they could have. They could have made a better trailer. Next up, we have a movie called Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. A girl with unusual powers escapes from a mental asylum and tries to make it on her own in New Orleans. This stars Jung Jong Seo from Money Heist Korea, Kate Hudson from Almost Famous, Craig Robinson from Hot Tub Time Machine, and Ed Skrine from Deadpool. So I'm surprised I'm not excited for this film, just based on that cast. But it just it just didn't look that good, and I am sad to say I don't want to see this. 
After that, we have a film called Wolfpack. During one of the missions of the Wolfpack squad, led by Lao Diao, who are engaged in overseas security work for a long time, discover that foreign terrorist forces have extended their reach into China's energy lifeline. This is a movie from China, and I think it's part of a series because they expect us to know who the Wolfpack is. But other than that, it doesn't look that interesting. Next up, friends, Devil's Workshop. A struggling actor spends a weekend with a female demonologist to prepare for an audition. This stars Rada Mitchell from Silent Hill, Timothy Granaderos from 13 Reasons Why, and Emile Hirsch from The Girl Next Door. And yet another film I'm so surprised didn't make it in the wide releases. That is a good cast. I, I do like that cast. I'm not too familiar with the middle guy, Timothy Granaderos, but Emile Hirsch and Rada Mitchell, yes, please. A movie about demons and exorcisms. I love that shit. But it felt like a good idea that lost funding and they had to just scramble to make the best movie they could. And through no fault of their own, it just didn't work. After that, we have a movie called Luckiest Girl Alive. This week, it's getting a limited theatrical release. And this hits Netflix on the 7th of October. So I'll talk about it more in depth then. But right now, I'll just tell you the basics. A woman in New York who seems to have things under control is faced with a trauma that makes her life unravel. This stars Mila Kunis from That 70s Show, Chiara Aurelia from Cruel Summer, Connie Britton from Nashville, Jennifer Beals from Flashdance, Justin Lupe from Succession, and Finn Whitrock from American Horror Story. And I do have thoughts on this movie, but I don't want to talk about it twice, especially when this isn't the main week, so I'm going to talk about it more in the next episode. If you think this could be something you may want to check out in theaters, I'd watch a trailer now and try and find a place where it is playing. We have two movies left in the limited section, folks, and let's wrap this up with the first, which is called Among the Living. This is coming out on VOD this week and Blu-ray on the 8th of November. Stranded in the aftermath of a deadly outbreak, a brother fights to protect his sister while he desperately searches to find refuge and avoid an infected population who thirsts for blood. This is a movie from the UK and stars no one of note and looks like just a basic rage monster movie. Because these don't look like zombies, they look like rage monsters, kind of like 28 days later, 28 weeks later, that kind of thing. And this just looks so run-of-the-mill and skippable, so do yourself a favor and skip it. And let's end with a movie that I I actually struggled with this one. This was in the wide releases for a while. And then I pulled it out of that section just because if I question it too much, I take that as a sign to myself, at least for its placement in this show. So this movie is called God's Creatures. In a windswept fishing village, a mother is torn between protecting her beloved son and her own sense of right and wrong. A lie she tells for him rips apart their family and close-knit community in this tense, sweepingly emotional epic. This stars Emily Watson from Gosford Park, Paul Mescal from Normal People, and Aisling Francoise, Francoise something from The Nightingale. Before I just talk briefly about this film, I want to give a possible trigger warning for sexual assault. Uh, I'm not going to be graphic about it. I, I never am, but I'm going to talk about it a bit. So just jump past the ads, and that's a good place to stop and re-listen to the show if you don't want to hear this. So this movie looks really good. It, it looks perfectly acted. We have Emily Watson, who is a treasure. 
Paul Mescal, I never finished watching the show, but he was really good in Normal People. And I have no idea who the next person is. I never saw The Nightingale. But the premise is that Emily Watson's son, played by Paul Mescal, comes back home after a while, and they're living together again. And this woman in the village gets attacked. I'm assuming she gets sexually assaulted. And this cop comes to her door and goes, hey, was your son with you here all night? He wasn't, but she goes to protect her son and says, yes, he was. As it goes on, she more and more thinks that he did it. So my problem with that is, f*** them. I get wanting to protect your family, but if you think they did something like that, throw them under the bus. Or at the very least, say yes, and then talk to them about it. And then if you get any any sort of ick from them, or if they confess or something, then you go to the authorities and go, actually, I'm sorry, I, I lied. No, he wasn't. It's just the whole premise I don't like. Even though it looks wonderfully acted and looks beautifully shot, I just don't like it. So that's why I'm going to skip this. Well, my future friends, that's it for the first part of the show. Let us jump into our break as we hear word from our good friends. And we'll be right back with the wide releases and interesting indies. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. All right, my friends, we're back with the wide releases and interesting indies. But before we get into that, let me tell you that my wife and I did see Jeepers Creepers Reborn. If you remember last week, I talked about that as being a movie that came out for only three days. It was a Fathom event three-day release. And I didn't talk about it on the show because by the time the show came out, it would have been done with. So I felt no need to talk about it fully. But I saw it. I'm going to give a very brief review. It's better than the third. But again, that's not hard to do. The first half of the movie was super, super boring. Oh, and that's right. It is chronologically, I'm assuming chronologically, part of the Jeepers Creepers universe. So this isn't a reboot. This is a fourth film in the franchise because they do allude to Justin Long in it. Like there's this weird voodoo doll that looks exactly like him or what he was wearing from the first movie. But anyway, the first half of the film was super boring and... They were they were at this weird convention, like horror convention thing. And this guy kept on talking about like, oh, this is the Mecca of cosplay. It's like, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. Quit being embarrassing. And while that is a nitpicky concern, overall, the first half was just so slow. But then the second half really picked it up. That's when the creeper started doing his thing and creeping. And I liked the second half. If I ever watched this film again, I would probably just start in the middle. F- the first part. And I would start in the middle and watch that. But unless you're a big fan of the series, this is an easy skip. Don't even think about this again. Let this just wash out of your mind. 
So my friends, let us start the wide releases and interesting indies with a Netflix movie called Rainbow. Modern day Dorothy, inspired by the Wizard of Oz, faces the challenges of being a teenager nowadays. They actually say nowadays in the in the premise. This is a movie from Spain, and no, nah. It looks like it has promise. It looks like it could be good. This looks like it could have been one of those foreign films that can be very good, but had a bad trailer. Because there were some parts of the trailer that I actually really liked, but other parts, it just looked boring and obtuse. I would just 100% skip this. It does have a bonus of coming out on Netflix, uh, and that's the only reason it gets a 4.5 out of 11. Next up, my future friends, we have the first of three limited releases in the wide releases in interesting indies. Yes, it has been a good week. So let's talk about The Good House. Life for New England realtor Hildy Good begins to unravel when she hooks up with an old flame of hers from New York. This is based on Anne Leary's The Good House, which is a book. This stars, are you ready for this cast? Sigourney Weaver from Dave, Kevin Klein from Dave, Marina Baccarin from Deadpool 2, and Rob Delaney from Deadpool 2. Weird, right? So Sigourney Weaver, Kevin Klein back again. F- yeah, Dave is one of my all-time favorites. I love that movie so much. So seeing them together again, I'm very excited. And all in all, though, I'll be honest, if it wasn't for this cast, I probably would have put this movie in the limited section. But the fact is, we have a really good cast, and we have a movie that's, it, it's okay. Looks like a fine film, and Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Klein just take it up far enough for me to actually be interested in this. I do also have to keep in mind that it looks so basic that if I didn't love them, this would have been an easy skip, so I do have to keep that in mind when I rate it, because this gets a 6 out of 11. My friends, next up, we have the next limited release in this show, and it's called Vesper. After the collapse of Earth's ecosystem, Vesper, a 13-year-old girl struggling to survive with her paralyzed father, meets a woman with a secret who will force her to use her wits, strengths, and biohacking abilities to fight for the possibility of having a future. So this stars no one of note. And if you've listened to the show long enough, you may know why this made it into the wide releases and interesting indies. That's because I love original sci-fi. This is a sci-fi movie through and through. It's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi. Not my favorite subgenre of sci-fi, but, you know, I'll take it. Because this does look interesting. And it looks it looks like the, they did the best they can with their resources, which is pretty good. Because you don't need a big-ass Marvel budget to make a movie that looks good. You really don't. You just need, you just need to know what you're doing. So this looks good. This kind of reminds me. Of 2018's Prospect with Pedro Pascal, it, it gives me the same vibes. I think Prospect look, looks a little better, but this looks like it's going to be worth your time eventually. I mean, hey, if you're walking around one day and you're like, well, shit, I want to see a movie. If it's in a theater near you, maybe check it out if you're a fan of sci-fi. Why not? But other than that, I would just keep an eye out for this for later, coming to some streaming service or to your local library, whatever you, uh, whatever you want. Vesper gets a 5.5 out of 11. And my friends, next up we have the final limited release, and it's very, very much like The Good House, and you'll see why. This is called Dead for a Dollar. 
This film follows a famed bounty hunter who runs into his sworn enemy, a professional gambler and outlaw that he had sent to prison years before. So this stars Willem Dafoe from The Florida Project, Christoph Waltz from Glorious Bastards, Rachel Brosnahan, is that how you say it, from The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Hamish Linklater from Midnight Mass, and Brandon Scott from Dead to Me. My friends, just understand that this week, we are getting a rom-com with Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Kline, which is great. Good for good for us. And we love that. But we're also getting a Western with Willem Dafoe and Christoph Waltz. Oh, my God. What a batch crazy week for movies this is just on those alone. This does just look like a basic Western. But if you like Westerns, that's great for you, even though it kind of looks like a run of the mill Western. And it has Willem Dafoe and Christoph Waltz. And they're actually in it. It's not like some of these movies I've talked about on the show that has someone huge in it, but you can tell they were just brought in for like one day, filmed all their lines, like not even me and the rest of the cast, and then flew off. No, this is about these people. They are actually the main characters, and I am 100% here for that. And just like The Good House, Dead for a Dollar gets a 6 out of 11. All right, friends. Our next movie is called My Best Friend's Exorcism and comes to us from Amazon Prime. The year is 1988. High school sophomores Abby and Gretchen have been best friends since fourth grade. But after an evening of skinny dipping goes disastrously wrong, Gretchen begins to act different. She's moody, she's irritable, and bizarre incidents keep happening wherever she's nearby. Abby's investigation leads her to some startling discoveries, And by the time their story reaches its terrifying conclusion, the fate of Abby and Gretchen will be determined by a single question. Is their friendship powerful enough to beat the devil? This stars Elsie Fisher from 8th grade and Amaya Miller from The Waterman. So quick reminder, The Waterman is a movie that I was very excited for from 2020 that I still haven't seen. Uh, Directed and co-starring David Oyelowo also has Rosario Dawson and Alfred Molina, and it's about a boy who sets out on a quest to save his ill mother by searching for a mystic figure said to have magical healing powers. So it takes place like in the city, like in a modern city, but has so many magical elements to it, and it just looks so good, and I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. If I ever do, I will let you know. But we're actually talking about My Best Friend's Exorcism, which is based on a book by Grady Hendrix. And I actually didn't like the book that much. It's, it's widely popular. I had a lot of issues with it. It was just... So, obviously, when someone gets possessed, they change. They're, they're not the same person they are. They're, you know, a demon now. And to me, that part in the book just got so old. And the book just dragged on for so long that I got a little bored. And I'm actually more excited for the movie because let's see if I can find a runtime. So apparently it has a runtime of one hour and 36 minutes, and I am so more willing to spend one hour and 36 minutes with this story. It's not that it's a bad story at all. The book just didn't do it for me. Some people really like it. So I do have high hopes for the movie because it's an interesting idea. It does play with tropes we have become familiar with. So I do think this is going to be good. Another great bonus is that it's on a streaming service a lot of people have, so... Let us rate this with a 7 out of 11. All right, my friends, next up, we have the first 
of the final four movies, and it's called The Greatest Beer Run Ever. This is coming to Apple TV+. Plus. A man's story of leaving New York in 1967 to bring beer to his childhood buddies in the army while they're fighting in Vietnam. This stars Zac Efron from Seventeen again, Russell Crowe from A Beautiful Mind, Bill Murray from Rushmore, Kyle Allen from The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, and Archie Renault from Shadow and Bone. So apparently, this is based off a true story, and I am actually here for it. The trailer looks pretty good, because it looks like it's a dramedy, because let's face it, this is something that takes place during the Vietnam War. And this guy wants to bring a beer to all of his friends fighting, partly because of guilt, because he's not out there. And he goes into a war zone with a bag full of beer and gives his friend beer. And some of them are really receptive to it. But there's this really good scene in the trailer. And I'm pretty sure it's a scene with Kyle Allen. And he gets mad at him saying, what do you think this is, a joke? And there's so much more to this movie than just someone bringing beer. It's also him learning about what's going on and that... There's a war going on. This is serious, and it's not simple good versus evil. It's not like when we're fighting the Nazis. It's not like there is a clear understanding of who's in the right and who's in the wrong. So this guy who is dead set on, hey, our soldiers are the are the heroes, and we are fighting the evil over there, and all you protesters, you're embarrassing yourselves. He has something to learn. And Zac Efron is really good at a character like that. Like, I'm like kind of stupid but not stupid in the sense that he just doesn't have all the information yet and he's very very confident working with what he does have and when he gets the right information then he's like oh shit like this is serious so i think this looks really good worth your time if you have apple tv plus and i don't have it but i do know someone who does i want to borrow their login just to watch this i think this is worth a good time There's one other movie, we all know what it is, one other movie coming out on streaming that I'm going to watch faster, but The Greatest Beer Run Ever looks well worth your time. The Greatest Beer Run Ever gets an 8 out of 11. So, my friends, the final three movies I I had to struggle with, because I really wanted to, I try not to do dual picks. And for those who don't remember, I always have a pick of the week, which I say, hey friends, if you see one movie this week, this has the best chance of being well worth your time. And these three movies, technically, yeah, still including The Greatest Beer Run Ever, all are worthy of being that movie. And obviously, we have one movie here that it's the obvious pick for pick of the week, right? Who doesn't love Hocus Pocus? Raise your hand and be shunned because you don't love Hocus Pocus. So this was tough for me. So let's say that the first movie that's not the pick of the week is called Smile. This is a nationwide release. After witnessing a bizarre, traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. This stars Sosie Bacon from 13 Reasons Why, Jesse T. Usher from The Boys, Kyle Gallner from Outsiders, Robin Weigert from Deadwood, Cal Penn from Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, Judy Reyes from Scrubs, and Rob Morgan from Stranger Things. I like the look of this film. Uh, I really do. This gives me It Follows vibes, and even though I wasn't a big fan of It Follows, I like the vibe. I like how it made me feel, and I like how this trailer presented itself, because we have this woman who has seen a patient of hers who is seeing things 
And she mentions that she's seen just a smiling face. And then in the middle of the, the session, she goes crazy and then dies. And then we have this doctor, Dr. Rose Cotter, walking around. And then she starts seeing this person smiling at her super creepy like and it's not just one person like people she'll see different people smiling at her realizing that she's being followed that it's it's something that's following her and she realizes that her patient who died is tied to someone else who died is tied to someone else who died who's tied to someone else who died yeah kind of reminds you of it follows right but instead of an STD, this seems like a normal virus where she's just in contact with her. So now it's following her. So she has to figure out why. It's a familiar premise and I like the way it's being handled. And I like the fact that it's something as innocuous as a smile, something as not scary as a smile. If you're a fan of horror and you like movies like It Follows, I would check out the trailer for this. It looks like it's well worth your time especially because we have spooky season right in front of us. It's a good way to start it. I mean, this episode is for the Friday, the last Friday of the month. So why not check this out as a start to your October? Smile gets a 7.5 out of 11. And next up, my future friends, it's not a dual pick of the week because the next movie is called Bros. Bobby Lieber, an out-and-proud but also scared and self-doubting New York museum curator, is hired to write a romantic comedy about a gay couple. Along the way, he meets and eventually falls in love with Aaron, a macho lawyer. So this stars Billy Eichner from Billy on the Street, Luke McFarlane from Killjoys, Dot Marie Jones from Glee, Kenan Thompson from Snakes on a Plane, Jim Rash from Community, Monica Raymond from Chicago Fire, Deborah Messing from Will and Grace, Harvey Firestein from Independence Day, Bowen Yang from Saturday Night Live, and Kristen Chenoweth from Pushing Daisies. So we have a gay rom-com and I am here for it. We have this guy who is working to open the first gay museum. The whole writing a romantic comedy about a gay couple thing I didn't get from the trailer at all, but hey, I guess it's part of it. But basically, he's the kind of guy who just thinks, oh, I don't need anyone. I'm happy being alone. And he's convinced himself of this when he's actually not. Until he meets this other guy, Aaron, who is a super handsome, ripped, machismo lawyer. And he kind of likes this guy. And they start talking and they kind of hit it off. And so it's your basic rom-com in that sense. But the background, but everything else about it is different and sets it apart, and I like this. I find Billy Eichner a very likable character in this. Just from watching the trailer, I'm already on Bobby's side, and that is very important. You can't have a rom-com if you don't like some of the people in it. I mean, you can. They have had rom-coms with unlikable people, but this just makes it easier. These are the types of movies we have to normalize. These rom-coms, these action films, like any movie with anyone other than a straight white male. That is what we need to normalize. We need to normalize these rainbow mafia rom-coms. And I would love to make that saying a thing. Rainbow mafia rom-com. I love that. Especially because rainbow mafia was originally a negative thing that people said. And then we just kind of took it back. I say we, like I had anything to do with it, but we just kind of took it back and made it our own. But bros looks good. 
It looks cute. It looks like a very comforting movie. This is a good movie to watch when you're feeling down. Unless you're down about a breakup, in which case maybe you don't want to see about see movies about love then. Who knows? But I am here for this movie. I want to see it. But it is not what has me excited this week. Bros gets an 8 out of 11. So my friends, you know what the pick of the week is. Say it with me. The pick of the week is Hocus Pocus 2. Electric Boogaloo. Come on, you know I had to make that joke. I made the two Hocus 2 Pocus joke. I had to do this one too. So this is a Disney Plus movie. Yes, only Disney Plus. I confirmed that there is going to be no theatrical releases unless Disney wants to surprise us, but that's not their shtick. So three young women accidentally bring back the Sanderson sisters to a modern day Salem and must figure out how to stop the child-hungry witches from wreaking havoc on the world. Returning from the first movie, we have Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy. Yes, I've been saying her name wrong this whole time. I had to watch a clip from the Katie Couric show to make sure I said it right, and I was wrong. Najimy. And also returning, Doug Jones as Billy Butcherson. New to the cast are Whitney Peake from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Belissa Escobedo from The Baker and the Beauty, Sam Richardson from Veep, and Tony Hale from Arrested Development. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I'm going to see this. 100%. I... I was very excited when they announced that they were going to do another Hocus Pocus movie. And they got back the original Sanderson sisters. Yes, thank you. They even brought back Billy Butcherson. Yay. Anyone else? No, they didn't bring back. They probably had their reasons, hopefully. But they brought back the important people. And that's what matters. You don't watch Hocus Pocus for Max, Danny, and Allison. Yes, I had to look up their names because I didn't remember. But you don't watch the movie for them. You watch the movie for the Sanderson sisters. Yes, they're the bad guys, but they're also the heart and soul of the movie. They all have the most quotable lines, the most memorable parts. Think about it. Think of some of your favorite parts in the movie. Who is in that scene? The sisters. If it does involve another character, it's probably just them being on the side while one of the sisters does their thing. So bringing them back for two was the key and they got all three. And after the trailer came out, it it didn't look bad. I I thought it looked fine. But here's the thing. With a movie like this, with a sequel to a much-beloved Halloween family classic, can you do anything else but more of the same? The story looks familiar. Some kids accidentally summon the Sanderson sisters, so then they have to stop the Sanderson sisters. The same premise as the first movie. Do we really want anything more? Do we really need anything more? When it comes to a movie like this, it's okay to do it all over again as long as you just try to not make it a straight copy. Play into the fact that the world has changed since the 90s. There's a lot to do, and you can still have the same overarching plot point. Let's be honest, you probably have Disney+. Plus. If you don't, you know someone who has Disney+, Plus and you can borrow their login just to watch this. This is a movie that is easily accessible for people and is well worth your time. If you didn't like Hocus Pocus, don't even talk to me. The doors over there don't let it hit you on the way out. If you think Halloween Town is better, GTFO. I liked Halloween Town, don't get me wrong. Watched it for the first time a couple years ago. Liked it. But it has absolutely nothing on Hocus Pocus. Halloween Town 
was a really good quality Disney Channel movie, a made-for-TV film. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with that, the quality of Hocus Pocus, the people in it, everything about it was just so much better. Let's be honest here. The worst this movie is going to be is okay. That's the worst it's going to be. It's just, eh, it was fine. The best it's going to be is one of the most memorable, family-friendly Halloween movies since the original. My friends, Hocus Pocus 2 is the pick of the week because it has to be. Because Hocus Pocus is such a big part of so many childhoods. Because I am almost 40. I'm a grown-ass adult. And it is an important part of my life. And I've watched it every year. Friends of mine who have children, who have children who are already teenagers, watch the movie with them. Kids these days know Hocus Pocus. It is a cultural phenomenon. And we're getting another one. My friends, Hocus Pocus 2 gets a 10 out of 11. And it would have gotten an 11 if it was coming to theaters. And it really, really bothers me that it's not. It seems like a huge oversight. And I know it's Disney Plus trying to drive more people to Disney Plus, but f*** you, just put it in theaters. Don't be a dick. Come on. My future friends, tell me honestly, where do you stand on the Hocus Pocus Halloween Town thing? Like, I joked that you can GTFO if you like Halloween Town more, but you know me. I don't care. Tell me your thoughts. And as always, just reach out to me. Say, hey, what's up? Or, hey, I think that you should have put this movie in the wide releases section. Or, hey, I don't agree with your score on this. Let me know. Talk to me. Or, hey, I love the show. I think you're brilliant and you keep doing the show forever. Let me know that, too. You can find all the ways to reach me in the show notes. I also have a link tree to click on, handy-dandy link tree there. Please remember to check out the Friends of the Show, the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast, and We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Thank you oh so much for listening. I really appreciate it. It still blows my mind when I look at my numbers, and I I joke that they're low, but it blows my mind that my numbers are even one. That even one of you out there wants wants to hear what I have to say, so I thank you so much for that. Don't forget to share the show with your friends. That is how we grow here. And my future friends, no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.